0: You're listening to a TVO podcast.
1: It's interesting how, how it's become such a loaded, it was this very innocent little word back in the day, you know, it just meant, yeah, that, that used to be alive.
0: (laughs) Hi,
2: Pippa. Hi, Karina.
0: You know, for me. I think one of the hardest parts of making a podcast is coming up with an organic way to start the episode.
2: Wow, I see what you did there. Right, right? Yeah, you see it? You see it?
0: I'm really sorry. You should be.
2: So yes, like the title says, today we're talking about the word organic.
0: I'm actually really excited for this word because I think it's a great example of what we look for on the show. It's changed over time and it definitely can evoke different emotions and assumptions from different people. Uh, Let's start with the definition. Right. So it has roots in Greek and Latin. Its original definition was from or characteristic of organized living beings. Organized meaning having organs.
2: This like blew my mind when you told me that I feel like I never clocked that the word organ is in the word organized. Yeah,
0: me neither, me neither. It's great. So starting from around the late 1700s, the word organic uh, meant simply something that is carbon based, something that is or used to be alive. And that continues to be one of the definitions today. So by that definition, we are organic, Mm -hmm. everything we eat is organic. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, that's right. But uh, something to keep in mind is that organic does not necessarily mean friendly when we're talking about this stuff. Like plenty of organic compounds are toxic or volatile. Like that list includes pharmaceuticals and pesticides and plastics and adhesives. Those are all organic compounds. So we started using organic to refer to a method of farming around the middle of the 20th century. So let's clear up first exactly what an organic label means. Um, Let's get down to brass tacks. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> the most <laughs> the most boiled down definition is that it's food raised or grown without the use of synthetics. In Canada, we have a certification called the Canadian Organic Standards, and basically if you meet the requirements in that document, you can put an official organic label on the food that you package for sale.
2: Okay, I'm sure I've seen this, but I can't picture this label you're talking about. You
0: would you would recognize it if you saw it. Okay, let me just Google. Yeah. Organic label Canada.
2: Okay, so it's like a round seal mm-hmm. that's green and red and there's rolling pastoral hills and then a maple leaf coming up behind like a sunrise.
0: Yeah, very, very pretty. <laughs> um, so if you want to use that label in Canada, there's uh-huh. a bunch of prohibited products or methods that you can't use to help grow that food. So that includes genetic modification of seeds, or using synthetic fertilizers or pesticides, or using radiation. Um, So say I have a farm
2: and I'm not using any of those things. How do I get to the stage where I can actually put that label on my
0: product? Okay, so it's pretty involved. (sighs) So in order to get certified organic... The farm needs to register with a private certification company and then they submit a plan and then the certification body reviews the plan and approves it and then they send an inspector to verify that the plan is being followed. And then they write a report, which gets reviewed and approved by a different certification officer. Oh, my god. Yeah. And
2: then I imagine from there, they keep checking that you're doing what you said you were going to do?
0: Yeah, exactly. So there are regular inspections, and you need to document everything that you're doing. Uh, Oh, also, this is interesting. If the land that you're farming was previously used to farm non-organic crops... Like conventional farming? Yeah, exactly. Um, You need to wait a period of 36 months before you can harvest your first official organic crop because the the synthetics need time to kind of uh, slowly drain out of the earth.
2: Okay, so this process is very (laughs) rigorous sounding.
0: Yeah, and this level of rigor is a big part of why there's a markup on organic food prices.
2: I'm just wondering, like, with all that inspection and paper pushing, is it possible to still cheat the system? Like, is all the food labeled organic definitely organic? Or does stuff, like, ever get through the cracks?
0: So this is actually a very juicy question. Um, Organics is a big business, and there is such a thing as organic fraud. Scandal. Yeah, yeah. Probably the most dramatic example in recent history is this gigantic scandal that happened a couple years ago in the U.S. It was the largest organic food fraud in U.S. history, and basically, this ring of farmers worked together to defraud the certification system, and their non-organic food was marketed as organic and marked Ooh. up, and they got away with fraudulent profits, like, in the order of 120 million-plus dollars. Wow, why don't we hear these stories? Yeah, well, it was <laughs> it was in the news, but I guess it wasn't, like, spicy enough. There's a lot of stuff going on all the time. <laughs> but, but, yeah, this happened, and... Actually, uh, to, like, end the story, the mastermind behind the whole thing was sentenced to 10 years in prison uh, last summer. And then that same summer, he died by suicide. Wow. That's a really dark ending to that story. I know. I know. So anytime there's a carrot as big as the organic industry, there will be people who go after it. I didn't really realize this before researching the episode, but the organic food industry is huge and it's booming. Like I thought of it as more of a niche, uh, smaller thing, but I was looking up a Statistics Canada report that got released in March 2020, and it shows that annual retail sales of organic products has grown 57% in the last five years alone. Holy. Yeah.
2: I was actually reading that since COVID-19 hit, organic sales have increased in North America and Europe even further. Mm -hmm. I guess because with the pandemic, people are probably feeling more health conscious and, you know, worried about getting sick.
0: Yeah. I think that's what it is, is that like people want anything that boosts their health, boosts their immune system. So I feel like there's this tension here between the health conscious or environment conscious elements of organic food versus uh, the more like business capitalist marketing side of it. And so this is exactly why I wanted to talk to Dana McCauley. She's a director of new venture creation at the University of Guelph, and she's one of Canada's foremost food trend analysts.
1: I think that when the organic food movement started, it was, you know, very much back to the earth. It was about not using any additives other than, say, Uh, manure or compost and and really, you know, homespun type of agriculture. Today, we see that organic farming has really become big business. You know, in Canada in particular, even our large farms are usually family owned. So that's a whole other misconception that people have is that they think that, you know, there's these big conglomerates behind farms. And, And in my experience, people who produce food and the products that are made from from commodities grown in Canada in particular, those people care so much about the land, so much about their animals, and and they live where this stuff is grown. Even if it's a massive Hutterite farm in uh, Alberta or Saskatchewan, all the people who work on the farm live there. So they care deeply about what is going to market, but they also are in business and um, they need to to make money.
0: So, Pippa, I have to ask: mm-hmm. Do you buy organic? No judgment, <laughs> no judgment. This is a safe space. Um,
2: I feel embarrassed to say that I don't. I I would feel
0: embarrassed to say that I do. Oh, <laughs> I feel like we're coming at this from
2: <laughs> different sides. We sure are. I. I mean, like, except when I'm at a farmer's market or something, it's just, like, hard when you're in the grocery store to justify that extra cost, you know? Yeah. Like, I'd say I, I do pay more attention to where my milk comes from or if my eggs are free run, like, that kind of thing. But when it comes to produce, I'm I'm not supporting the little farmer, I don't think.
0: Right, yeah. So, like, you wouldn't get an organic carrot, but you would buy organic dairy. Unless they're on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't really buy organic. I I, I think I I skew a, a closer to what you're doing too. Of like, if I if I do buy organic, it's always like cream or eggs. I
2: think it's kind of because you can picture what free run might look like, and you can kind of emotionally attach a bit better to a sentient animal and their well being. You know?
0: Sure. So when you're in the grocery store and you're buying organic milk. Uh, what images come to your mind when you think about where it comes from or how it's made? Uh, oh, um, I feel
2: like I'd picture a pastoral scene with a small team of farmers, like milking some very happy mooing cows. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I picture, like, you know that you know that image of a farm with, like, a rundown fence and, like, yeah. a stream? I feel like I'm describing a stock photo, but that's what I...
2: <laughs> I mean, that is sort of the picture they're trying to evoke when they make the label so uh, bucolic. Yeah,
0: yeah. Dana also had a lot to say about why that word, organic, is so appealing to consumers.
2: The
1: meaning of organic for most consumers has evolved to mean uh, cleaner and healthier, but they don't always know why or how, and they don't often understand what uh, the health connotation is. They, they think it's healthier for them uh, as in more nutritious when really it's more about being healthier for the planet and healthier for ecosystems and ultimately potentially healthier because there are fewer contaminants. But you know, nutritionally, an apple is an apple is an apple.
2: I feel like I knew that on some intellectual level but I feel like I also believe on maybe a deeper level that the $3 apple is more nutritionally valuable, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and what you just described actually has a name in marketing. It's called a health halo, Ooh. and it's basically a uh, good PR for food. It means that there's, <laughs> you have this sort of vague idea that something is healthier for you, even if you have uh, no evidence of that being true,
2: It's like when you buy, like, an expensive smoothie in a bottle versus a pop, even though they have the same amount of sugar.
0: Yeah, that's a great example. Or uh, stuff like yogurt, granola bars, and pretty much any organic-labeled food benefits from this health halo. This kind of makes me think of the word greenwashing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a similar
2: idea, like, a way to imply that a product is more environmentally friendly even though there's no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who is the main demographic buying this stuff?
0: Uh, you're not going to like the answer. <laughs> I have a feeling. It's it's you. It's me. It's like it's it's the demographic is us. The call is coming from inside the house. I was worried you were going to say that. Yeah. Or uh, actually, I should clarify. It's us, but maybe in a few years. Uh, Dana said the biggest demographic for organic food is the so-called millennial mom...
1: The real surge in organic mainstream consumerism happened when millennials came into childbearing age. Uh, millennial mom is so different from boomer mom. Boomer mom was my mom and she wanted value and gut fill. <laughs> oh, look at this big bag of uh, whatever it is. The, that'll keep the kids full and busy. Whereas millennial mom wanted to, you know, safeguard her pregnancy. She, from even if she wasn't an organic consumer, consumer. consumer. Uh, Typically, as soon as she was starting to think about getting pregnant, uh, she would switch her own diet and start including more organic foods. Then, of course, when she would uh, have her baby, she would, you know, often pay more for products that she felt good about putting into her child's system. That millennial mom, she made the Costcos and the Walmarts of the world add organics. And that support, of course, meant that uh, then farmers saw a real market and invested in more acres, etc.
0: So how are you feeling?
2: I I can just totally picture so many of my friends who have kids fitting into this demographic and it feels kind of icky to be so <laughs>
0: predictable. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of a negative stereotype, right? Like this uh-huh. affluent, kind of precious millennial mom. It's very uh, goop. Yes, exactly. It is very goop.
2: <laughs> I feel like wealth and class is a really big thing that's tied to the word organic. Like, as we said before, no matter how good the reasons are behind them, there's clearly a markup on organic food.
0: Yeah, Dana and I talked a bunch about how class ties into buying organic. She said that the idea that organic food is for rich people is just a fact. Like, expensive (sighs) food means you need more purchasing power to buy that food. But since COVID-19 means we're kind of staring down the barrel of a recession, Mm -hmm. that's really going to disrupt the market, too. Because on the one hand, like we said before, people want those health halo foods in a pandemic, but they may also be really strapped for cash. Here's Dana.
1: I believe that this sort of great lockdown is going to put a lot of financial pressure on Global uh, citizens, not just Canadians, and I think that price is going to be extremely important in the near future. It's uh, it's it's going to be a really interesting time. That said, I, I think that everyone is really focused on cleanliness and uh, will will be wanting to you know get food that they have a lot of confidence in. So if People who run organic farms and sell organic foods can use that marketing message to their advantage. They may have a, a better opportunity of, of using that kind of an insight to get consumers to to buy things. But I think a lot of the posh, nice to have stuff is, is going to go uh, on the back burner. And we can even see it in these early days of the COVID lockdown that different trends, but the insights are transferable that gluten-free and, and low carb, keto, wow, that's obviously gone by the wayside for anybody who doesn't have actual celiac disease because look at how everybody's baking bread. So, uh, you know, we're we're, we're we're in a disruptive spot.
2: Uh, I feel very seen with the quarantine bread comment she
0: just made. <laughs> yeah, you've made a few loaves, right?
2: I sure have, <laughs> nothing good yet, I'm still working on it. But I do want to bring up another angle on buying organic besides class, which is gender. Because I feel like there's sort of like whispers of sexism here. Mm -hmm. Like, there's sort of a sexist guilt complex they're kind of playing into. Like, a good mom will, like, feed her kids
0: organic only. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's not whispers of sexism. It's like yelling of (laughs) sexism. I feel like it slots so neatly into this entire guilt pipeline that starts the second that a woman gets pregnant like Mm. are you feeding yourself right are you following all of the recommendations are you buying wooden toys instead of plastic toys are you buying like the most safe expensive crib and so on Mm.
2: Yeah. I I see how that marketing opportunity is kind of golden. Yeah. If the millennial mom is already feeling this sort of like baseline guilt and anxiety, it makes her such an easy target to buy things (laughs) that she like doesn't necessarily need or she can just be talked into things so much easier.
0: Right. It's a time in your life when you're really vulnerable. On the other hand, just to talk about the other side of this argument, I mean, organic farming isn't mustache twirling marketing copy. We right. uh, We can't forget that a big reason people feel more compelled to buy it and farmers want to do it is because they want to be more environmentally aware. And that's becoming more and more urgent in a climate crisis, which we are in. Totally. Maybe the question isn't, is
2: organic too expensive? It's, is conventional food too cheap? Right. Is it too cheap to be sustainable in the long term?
0: Yeah, that's an argument that I've heard before a lot in reference to factory farming of meat. Like, mm. that meat shouldn't be easy, that it should be expensive and rarely eaten. Um, and we should go back to the idea of uh, the Sunday roast, and then the rest of the week you're effectively vegetarian. Because it's only pretty recently in human history that we eat meat multiple times a day, almost every day. Yeah, I should say here I'm
2: actually friends with someone who has an organic farm in southwestern Ontario, and we've had conversations about her work before. For her, it's not just about what chemicals she's not using, but it's more like a whole holistic approach to farming. Like, they use cattle to fertilize, and when they're planning the farm, they follow the natural hills and valleys of the land. And they plant trees in the middle of fields so that birds can roost in them and then kill pests. Right. These are all things that don't necessarily maximize profit, but they're way easier on the earth. But it's hard to market this environmental angle because it's such a long game, you know? Like, you can't see or feel or, like, hold in your hands the results. It's easier to message, like, this is better for you. This is better for baby. You're a bad mom if you don't buy it. As a consumer, that message hits home way more than healthier for the planet does. Yeah. Like, it's clear that organic farming is easier on the planet. And the marketing being manipulative maybe doesn't, like, negate
0: that. I guess uh, one could argue that it's a means to an end.
2: Yeah. They use that same marketing tactic when it comes to, like, recycling or keeping parks clean and being safe at work or during, like, COVID, uh, social distancing. Yeah. Guilt is an easy and powerful tool.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: So did talking to Dana change the way that you're going to be buying groceries?
0: That's a good question. Um... I don't know. I think it made me a more, uh, feel a bit more savvy about mm. what I'm looking at and why it's labeled that way and where it comes from. And also sort of more aware of the demographic that I'm in and like how, how people are trying to sell me things. I remember when I lived in Vancouver a few years ago, I did a CSA one summer um, from an organic farm and that was actually, it was lovely. And uh I would do it again. Um, but at the same time, it's just overwhelming. It's like, okay, say you decide to buy only organic stuff, so you go shop at Whole Foods. That's owned mm. by Amazon. Like,
2: <laughs> You can't win.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't win. It feels like any way you turn, like y- your consumption is bad somehow.
2: There is something so appealing about something like a CSA box where you have a bit more sense of like connection to the actual land. But when you're in the grocery store, it's really easy to kind of lose the plot on what you're actually paying for. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to see the organic aisle in the grocery store a little differently now and sort of like understand the markup a little more. Yeah. And the markup is things that I do want to pay for. So maybe... I Maybe I'm moving towards fitting more perfectly into the millennial mom category, unfortunately. Pippa,
0: embrace your inner millennial mom. Be the millennial mom that you were born to be. Oh my god.
2: Now, Karina, how do we find an organic ending for this episode?
0: Nice. Nice. Didn't that feel good? Yeah. Didn't that feel good to say?
2: Yeah. I do want to add here, though, that The conversation around organic farming can get very, like, heady with the government rules and regulations we talked about. But in a lot of ways, organic farming is just about going back to practices that are more in tune with Earth's natural patterns, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of our current practices, especially in the organic space, are based in some way on traditional Indigenous knowledge. Like... Uh, holistic ways of like adding nutrients back to the soil or growing plants that are indigenous to our areas or like crop diversity. Yes. With that said, we'd like to acknowledge that our show is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territories of many nations, including the Wendat, the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Wordbomb Bomb is produced by me, Pippa Johnstone.
0: And me, Karina Palmatesta. We'd like to thank Joel Aiken and Dana McCauley for their help.
2: You can follow us at Word Bomb Podcast on Instagram or at tvo.org slash wordbomb.
0: Thank you to everyone at TVO who makes this show possible. And thank you for listening.